Welcome to the official unofficial podcast dedicated to Eastern Washington athletics. This is the Eagles Power Hour, an affiliate member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Introducing your hosts, standing at a staggering 5 foot 10 inches tall. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's just that idiot who thinks it's a great idea to paint his chest in 10 degree weather for an Eastern Washington football game. Now, based out of Houston, Texas, Kyler Neal. The other host is a local firefighter. He saves kittens by day. Talks EWU sports by night. He is six foot two without heels and has a vertical of 32 inches. Based out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yours and my favorite Eagles Power Hour host, Rusty Kramer. Without further ado, here it is the greatest podcast in the big sky the Red Turf Repping Eagles Power Hour. What is up, Eagles Nation? Um, yeah, man. How you guys all doing today? I hope it's a good Thursday, Friday, whenever you're listening to this, I have no clue, but we're going to talk about a little bit of Eastern Washington things like always, you know, this is towards the end of the football season. So I'm going to keep this one a little bit more, uh, football centric. And then we're going to be doing a basketball episode, um, this weekend for sure. Kind of talking about the last few games, what's expected on the upcoming season around the big sky a little bit. So we will be doing that this weekend and, you know, feel free to see that maybe release on a Monday or Tuesday, something around there. But this one, it's the last week before the end of the regular season. So we're going to keep this one football related. So, yeah, I'm your host as always, Kyler Neal, and welcome to the Eagles Power Hour. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much. If it's your second time listening, you're still awesome. Keep doing it. If this is your hundredth time listening, I am so sorry. Why are you still listening to this crappy podcast? But maybe it's just because you're an Eastern Washington fan. And you know what? If you are, thank you so much. Thanks for the support. I do appreciate it. Uh, You guys can find us on the FCS Fans Nation YouTube network. We're an affiliate member from them. Also, like you heard in the intro, if you guys are listening this in your ears um, on podcast form, not YouTube, we are a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. So if you guys like what you're hearing from me, but you want to stay more tuned with the rest of the big sky, guess what? You have the R&R Cat Cast. That's a Montana State um, podcast. It's done by two dudes named Ryan. You have the Grizz Fan Podcast uh, done by Brent, um, Luke, Mike. And I I mean, that's a three-hour podcast every single week. So if you guys want to make fun of the Grizz for three hours, listen to them. They actually do a really good show. And they're, you know, Mike's son, James. He's probably the most knowledgeable person around the big sky when it comes to picking games. He does a phenomenal job. Then you have the Montana Mint Sports um, podcast. So it's a couple dudes. It's a Montana fan and an MSU fan. But the difference is they actually do a a all-around big sky focus. They always put on a good episode. You got the NAU Sports Show. So, yes, I'm plugging everyone right now. The NAU and Big Sky Sports Show by Casey Everett. Um, That's going to be, of course, Northern Arizona centric podcast you got Clawcast. that is a northern colorado centric podcast by aaron rath he's one of the color commentators for um some of the sports over there at northern colorado so he puts on a good show and then of course you know the tubs at the clubs guys idaho um they're having a really rough season but there's a lot of upside so i think we're starting to see some positivity coming from them but those are oh and then we have weber state weekly how could i forget probably the most professional podcast 
in the whole Big Sky Podcast Network. Um, they do a great job over there at the Weaver State Weekly. Again, Weaver Podcast. If you could not figure that out with the name, if you can't, I can't help you out. If you don't know Weaver State Weekly is a Weaver podcast, I, I can't help you out. Um, the only one that makes no sense is, you know, Tubbs of the Club. That one could be pretty tough. But you know what? There's a bar in Moscow, Idaho. That's called the Club, the Corner Club. And they sell tubs of beer. So that's how they kind of got their name. But yeah, guys, give everyone a listen if you want to stay around the FCS in, in the Big Sky. If you want to focus around more of the FCS, not just the Big Sky. We got some really good podcasts on the um, FCS Fans Nation YouTube channel. Go look them up. You have um straight out of the whack dustin helton does a phenomenal job he's a sfa alumni he's really focused on the whack um then you have of course the a and b team from the splitting hairs podcast so these are south dakota state guys right they do a phenomenal show as well you have around the a sun that is probably going to be changing in the next few seasons because it's brandon owens and will seiler they're a uca so central arkansas alumni and a jacksonville state alumni now, Jacksonville State's going to the FBS, so maybe Will can still have Brandon Owens on. But again, that's going to be focused on the A-Sun, the newest FCS conference that is coming um, to light you know, next year. The WAC and the A-Sun, they're a part of this AQ7 challenge this year. Maybe it's going to be extended the next few years because there has been some changes with Sam Houston leaving, with Jacksonville State leaving. Um, so those are some good podcasts. I know I'm going to be missing some. So if I am, I am totally sorry. All of this is off the, the cusp of my head. And then, you know, we do have the FCS fans nation actual episodes. So that's done with Jamie Williams, myself, Matthew Frazee. We have the Chris network, um, the Chris show. That's every now and then it's not a weekly one, but then we also have the Friday night, uh, basically football weekend preview podcast. It's, it's a live episode. So, guys, we got a lot of different content across the board in the Big Sky and the FCS in general. I would recommend if you get an opportunity, please give someone a listen. Give someone a like. Um, when you listen to people outside of your own just fan base, you end up getting more knowledge across the board, right? Uh, you don't have to just rely on the biased takes of an Eastern Washington football fan. You can go, maybe what Kyler said is pretty stupid. Let me hear what some of these other guys say. Or it's really fun if Eastern Washington's playing one of these programs. Go listen to them that same week. You can kind of see where the strengths are. You can kind of gauge for um, what that team is doing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my thought process. That's my little rant for the beginning. Um, there's a lot of different content. I hope you guys enjoy it. But, yeah, let's, let's now just focus on Eastern Washington. So, the Fog Bowl. <laughs> we're going to recap a little bit of about this fog bowl. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of play a portion of the video. So give me a few seconds, but it's going to be basically for people who did not watch this game, Eastern Washington played UC Davis. We won and we'll talk about how we won, but for half of the game, bright blue sky. I mean, it was a night game, so it was getting a little dark, but it was like clear as day. Then all of a sudden the fog rolled in. Now, I learned from the Montana Mint. This is, again, why I said you guys should um, follow everyone. I learned all about fog this week on the Montana Mint podcast. This was, I guess, the Thule fog. Um, no clue what it is, but it, I guess it happens in northern California because of marshes and stuff like this. And, and it's just this really thick fog that happens every year. 
and it just settles in um, kind of in the valley there. And UC Davis just happened to settle in right in the middle of the game. So give me one second while I share this screen um, because we're going to start playing it from the third quarter, eight minutes in where it's still a little clear. And then we're going to keep letting it play while I ramble and talk about the game as the fog rolls in because it is pretty incredible to see. So give me one second. All right, let me make this a little bit bigger so you guys don't have to look at my face and you can kind of see this. So we're going to full screen it. And I hope you guys can see. Okay, so this is in the middle of the third quarter. How the game went, it was a slow-paced game for the first few seconds. I mean, not for your first few seconds, but, you know, really the first half. Uh, we had to make some adjustments. There was a couple plays where we were kind of scratching our heads on what was going on. Um, but overall, Eastern Washington, they started getting in their rhythm. Um, the new OC, because if you guys are not familiar, again, the OC left. Oh, and of course there's advertising. Give me one second. Let's let's skip those ads. But of course the OC left. So this was a brand new play calling from our new intermural or not intermural. We don't do intermural, but our new OC uh, who's going to kind of take the reins for the end of the year. But you see Eastern Washington score right there. Overall, here was, no, I mean, overall we missed a big kick return from UC Davis. They had actually a couple big special teams. That's their second one. The the special teams played before this, they actually ran it in for a touchdown, which was pretty insane. So Eastern Washington did a pretty good job across the board on everything but special teams, right? Special teams, that's where we really struggled. I mean, we basically gave them 10 points because this already put them in field goal position, and I believe they did score a field goal right here. Maybe maybe this is one of their turnovers. Um we're going to watch it, but you start seeing the fog roll in. But they had a giant kick return right before this, which, you know, set up. Oh, that is the interception. So there we go. But yeah, Eastern Washington, we had 625 total yards of offense compared to their 283. So defensively, we were kind of shutting them out. Um, again, the special teams was the big difference in this game. But they were having a really hard time stopping our pass. They were having a really hard time stopping the run. We had 211 rushing yards, 4.7 yards per carry. And again, it's it's starting to roll in the, the fog here if you guys are watching. If you're not and just listening on the podcast, then you can't see this. So when I start laughing and stuff like this, uh, you, I mean, it gets pretty thick to where the announcers are going. I have no clue what's going on with this game. Oh, I think he caught it. Nope, I don't know. So you can still see it pretty clear right now. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's going to keep getting worse. Penalties, Eastern Washington played a clean game, which was really exciting. Only three penalties for 30 yards. Um, we won the turnover battle. We had two turnovers compared to their zero. So we were able to force them to turn the ball over. Passing, 414 yards. Eric, he didn't throw a lot of long balls this one. Um, he still made some plays. I mean, you're going to kind of see, he had to throw that one outside right there when he was getting blitzed. But Eric Berrier, 34 for 54, 411 yards, three touchdowns. We were throwing a lot in this game. Um, again, this was kind of the different approach with the new OC. So when Ian Schumacher left, it looks like we had to do what we had to do. it, And we started focusing more on the passing game again, where the last few weeks, 
you know, we're, we're throwing the ball a little bit, but we're still trying to focus on the rushing game. Um, and then is this one of the ones that we miss? Let me see real quick. This is, we're kicking a field goal right now. Oh no, we made that one. It was solid. Okay. But we did miss a couple field or a field goal or extra point. I forgot what it was, but yeah, we won 38 to 20 again, UC Davis coming into this game. They were top 10 scoring defense, only allowing 20 points per game. So, you know, we almost doubled their points allowed, which was pretty nice. Um, I was, I was very happy with how the offensive played, especially with the last, actually, I'm only going to say last week because our offense played fairly well against Weber state who has an elite defense as well. The big difference there was we allowed three fake punts. Um, we turned the ball over quite a bit of times and then we missed an extra point. It, it wasn't on the offense. The defense was having a tough time, but it was mainly special teams. <clears throat> Again, special teams struggled here. Um, we, we allowed a kick return for a touchdown we missed a kick and then also they gave a 60 yard kick return at the very end too. So this is one of those things where our special teams really needs to improve. If we want to be competitive with some of the big teams in the nation, like a North Dakota state, a James Madison, some of these other teams that play pretty clear or pretty clean football. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit um, in this game. Cause, cause again, the fog only continues to get thicker and watching this game was just so hilarious. You you hear the announcers going, I have no clue who caught that ball. It was just a fun game to watch. Now you're having a hard time seeing Eric Berrier. Okay, we had a catch right there. I think that was Boston. I have no clue. Um, <laughs> it was so insane. This, is, this will go down as the fog bowl. And guys, it gets worse if you're watching. I know some of you did not watch this game. It continues to get worse. Um, we'll fast forward a little bit as well. And the lights were shining. So they had to switch the camera angle because from the top, you could not see the field is at all. There was a couple people showing me like the pictures, um, while they were at the game and <laughs> you just couldn't see anything. I'm surprised they didn't do a delay, but I guess this Thule fog can last a very long time. Um, I'm glad there was no injuries because sometimes in this fog, maybe, you know, you can miss a tackle, hit someone clear in the chin with your helmet. I'm not sure, but I'm glad there was no, um, no injuries in this game <clears throat> really from what I'm aware of. Yeah. Eastern Washington. I think we played really good across the board. Offense was clicking. The defense was playing extremely good and aggressive. Again, we just need to clean up a little bit of things on special teams, but if we're holding teams to 20 points, which that's what we held UC Davis to. And again, one of them was from a kick return. If we're holding an offense to 13 to 20 points, I feel really confident in 99% of the games that we're playing that we'll be able to win. There's going to be a few teams like a Montana state, like a uh, North Dakota state where maybe the holding them to 20 points, isn't going to do it because they have such elite defenses, but overall, I really, I really like our odds when we're holding teams to 20 points. We should be able to win a bulk of those games. And for the most part, Eastern Washington's defense has been doing that. There's been a, a couple hiccups, but that's about it. Oh, and then, of course, my computer started wanting to do some type of update. So we are not going to we're not going to show you the um, update from my computer. But, yeah, that was the fog bowl. I hope that worked. I didn't actually see this side of my screen, so. Hopefully that was working. Um, and I hope you guys got to actually see it. 
but it was such a fun game. And that now makes Eastern Washington. What are we? Two in two in one versus the top 10. If you're looking at resumes from maybe anyone outside of a one loss team or no loss FCS team, anyone that has two losses, that's going to potentially be nine and two or eight and two, something like that. Cause some teams aren't playing a full schedule. Um, but if anyone's nine and two Eastern Washington by far has the best resume, a hiccup one point loss to Weber state, a three point loss to Montana state who right now is the number three team in the nation or something like that. And if they win this week with the brawl of the wild, they should be a top two seed. So a three point loss to them that doesn't hurt us too bad. Of course it, it kicks us out of home field advantage throughout the whole playoffs. If we would have beat, we were in a Montana state, we could have been looking at hundred percent. The road to Frisco goes through Cheney. It's not going to be the case. Most likely um, unless some teams lose in the postseason and like we get some home field advantage. Like I think in 2010, we were a five seed. I could be wrong on that. That is just from, from remembering. I think we were a five seed in Appalachian state lost, um, which, you know, that meant we, we got an extra home game because Villanova upset Appalachian State. So Villanova got to travel to us. And then I think um, the other seeds lost too. Something like that. But but yeah, we have a chance if we win this Portland State game to, to be a seed. So that's what we got to do. But I was pretty happy. Freddie Roberson, let's kind of look at some of the players of the game. Um, some of the stats. So of course, Eric Berrier, 34, 54. I already said that 411 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. He also adds 42 yards on the ground. So, I mean, another 450 yard total offensive game. I think that was awesome to Merrick Pierce. It was great to finally see him back, right? Um, he got a little bit of plays in the Montana state game, but that was his first game back. And he's been kind of riddled with injuries, 17 carries, 89 yards, 5.2 yards per average, one touchdown. He's kind of our, our power back, if you will. So it was really nice to see him out there. Then we still have Dennis Merritt, 13 carries, 41 yards. Isaiah Lewis, who's he's looking pretty strong as well. Four carries, 26 yards, 6.5 yards average, a touchdown. Overall, 211 rushing yards. On the receiving side, this was a total domination type of performance. Freddie Roberson, six catches, 93 yards, and a touchdown. 15.5 uh, yards in average. We were, of course, averaging for the receiving aspect, 11.8 yards per reception across the board. Um, there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different players who caught a ball. So that's always awesome to see. Lemu Jones was back at it, you know, six catches, 92 yards. Um, Andrew Boston, seven catches, 72 yards. Efton Chisholm, six catches, 57. Dylan Ingram, four yards or four catches, 44 yards and a touchdown. Um, yeah, it was, it was really fun to see. Let's, let's kind of talk about some of the defensive sides of the ball. Let's see if they actually have the defensive stats. Sometimes they don't, which kind of makes me angry because it's nice to give some props to people who play on the defensive side. Um, and of course my site doesn't have it, but we will talk about, um, Kalen Kreiner. He played a phenomenal game again. Um, he actually got a fumble reception, um, Crosby. He has an interception on the year. Overall, the defense was giving them a really rough time. UC Davis was having a hard time passing the ball. They were having a hard time rushing the ball. Hastings, that's the UC Davis quarterback, 19 for 30, 144 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. We were stopping the pass. Um, for rushing yards, 
They had 30 carries for 124 yards, no touchdowns. We were doing a really good job. Topkins was their leading rusher. Nine carries, 53 yards, zero touchdowns. Ulonzo Gilliam Jr., who's kind of been this all-American back, only eight carries, 25 yards. Um, their average rushing yards, let's see, as a team, 4.1 yards a carry, 4.8 yards a pass. So, overall, Eastern Washington did a phenomenal job. I'm really excited. Um, and hopefully we continue to, hopefully we just continue to, um, improve, right? There's a couple things we needed to clean up. There's still some things we need to clean up, but overall, if we can continue to improve, I like our chances in the postseason to make a deep run. I do. I think we have an X factor. I think our defense is very underrated. Um, you just need to clean up some special teams aspects of the game. And if we can play a clean three different aspects of the game, offense, defense, special teams. I don't think there's a lot of teams out there that can beat us. So I'm really excited about this team. Let's kind of dive a little bit around the rest of the big sky. So let me share my screen again, because it is nice that we can just show people some of these things. Okay, so the big sky standings. Okay, of course, Montana State, they are 7-0, 9-1 overall. Their only loss was to Wyoming, FBS Wyoming. 6-0 at home, 3-1 on the road. They got a nine-game win streak. They're playing Montana this week. Um, that's the Brawl of the Wild. That is an in, get like anyone's game. We're, we'll talk a little bit about that game because it is such a massive game. But yeah, Montana State, if they win, they're going to get the auto bid for the playoffs. And they would deserve it. Sacramento State, 7-0. Um, now, Sacramento State, they're playing UC Davis, another big rivalry game at the end of the season um they're eight and two overall so they lost to northern iowa in the very beginning of the season and then i think they lost to what was it stanford or cal one of those big california schools um which doesn't hurt them in the playoff projection but they lost to northern iowa when they still had asher o'hara throwing the ball 53 times now guys they have completely figured this out i think i talked about it last time um, Troy Taylor, he says, Asher O'Hara, you are strictly a running quarterback, basically with a couple throwing different options, but Dunaway is going to be our passing quarterback. They're using a two QB system like Eastern Washington did in 2012 when we made it all the way to the semis. Now it kind of backfired at the end of the season in that semifinal game, but overall Sac State, they, they have a really balanced team. They have a balanced rushing game, balanced passing game. Um, it just depends on which quarterbacks in there and what you're going to see. But yeah, they're 7-0. They control their own destiny to win the Big Sky, at least get a share of the Big Sky title. Eastern Washington, 8-2. We have an FBS win, a D2 win too, so that does kind of counter each other. Um, so I would say realistically we're 8-2 we're basically in the committee's eyes, um, where if you have an FBS win, sometimes a committee will go, oh, you're 9-2. But if you have, let's say, an, a D2 win, Sometimes the committee will go, oh, you're 7-2. So since we have both, it's going to kind of even itself out there. 8-2 overall, 5-2 and two in the big sky. We already talked about the losses, and I'm sure you guys are Eastern fans. You're already aware of all of the losses. But we beat Montana, and we beat UC Davis, which are both 8-2. So just having those top, uh, two top 10 wins, we have a really, really strong resume. Um, outside of North Dakota State, Eastern Washington has the strongest strength of schedule in all of the top 10. So unless Missouri state just jumped up in the top 10, I, I forgot where they're ranked in the stats poll. If Missouri state is in the top 10, then they have the number one strength of schedule. 
they've had a pretty tough road. Then it would go North Dakota State, then us. And um, third place is pretty far back compared to where North Dakota State, Missouri State, and Eastern Washington is. But yeah, Montana 8-2 and two overall. They have a big FBS win. So realistically, in the committee's eyes, they're probably 9-2 and two, or 8.5-2, if you will. Um, they're 5-2. and two. Their losses come to Sacramento State and Eastern Washington. So right now, as long as Eastern Washington and Sac State take care of business this weekend, in the seeding aspect, even if Montana beats Montana State, there's a really realistic shot Montana will still be outside the seedings or if their seedings still behind maybe a Sacramento State or Eastern Washington. Then UC Davis, right now, I, I really don't think they have an opportunity to be seeded. Um, and that's just going to be, if they beat UC Davis, or if they beat Sacramento State in the Causeway Classic, maybe they have a, an, a chance for an eight seed. I think realistically with the losses to Idaho State, which was really bad um, in a close game, and then a blowout loss to Eastern Washington because that game was really not as competitive as even the 18-point score difference showed. I think they're kind of out of the seeds looking in. So those are your five playoff teams. I think all of them are already a lock for the playoffs, surprisingly, which is pretty crazy. Um, we have eight teams who are at least going to be eight and two or eight and three or better, right? Normally in the big sky, if you have seven wins and let's say there's five teams, uh, a couple of them are nine and two, the rest are seven and four, right? Normally the playoff committee takes two out of the three, seven and four teams from the big sky and puts them in at eight wins. I think all five are already locked for the playoffs, no matter what this weekend of games happens to be. So it, it should be interesting, but let's just, spend a few minutes to talk about some of the big games because they do have playoff implications and on at least seeding. So Eastern Washington, we'll talk about the Portland state game. Okay. Now, because Portland state, they're four and three, five and five overall, I guess we'll just go down the rest of the rankings. Weaver state, five and five, four and three. Then you have Northern Arizona, four and six overall, three and four in conference. Um, then the rest of the big sky, it's almost not even worth mentioning besides Southern Utah is now leaving the big sky. This was their last season. They went Oh, and eight. In the big sky, one in 10 overall, which means they're going to the whack. In the big sky, strength of schedule for the next few seasons just got stronger because Southern Utah is now four in 26 in the last three or four seasons, something like that. Like they just have had a really tough road ever since 2017. They, they just have not been competitive at all. They've been by far the worst team in the big sky, and it's showing with this year, 0-8. So we sent them to the WAC with a big party gift of a fat O. So, you know, good luck, Sac State. I do apologize. Actually, I don't. Have fun in the WAC. Um, hopefully a couple more of these other bottom teams will take an invite to the WAC as well because it would be really nice if Sac State, Montana State, Sac State, Eastern Washington, Sac State played some of these other teams. Um, I would love that. Of course, it doesn't happen in the big sky because we are so large. But having one less team, that's going to definitely help with kind of more of a balanced schedule approach. There's still going to be a few teams that are not as balanced or seasons, but for the most part, it's going to be way more balanced because now the new scheduling is going to come out and every three years, we're playing a team twice, home and away. So yeah, it should be fun. But let's talk about the Causeway Classic. That's Sacramento State versus UC Davis. Let's see. I'm going to pull up my Versus Sports Simulator app to see who is projected to win. I would assume it's going to be Sacramento State. But 
let's see, because I think this is actually a pretty close game. So the Causeway Classic, if you guys are not familiar, they are separated by, I think D Davis and Sacramento are by less than 20 miles. So this is a massive rivalry. It should be pretty close to a sold-out game. Um, I don't remember if it's at Davis or at Sacramento State. Let me look that up. Because if it's at Sacramento State, I mean, you can have 20,000 fans in that stadium, which is pretty popping. If it's at Davis, it's going to be quite a little bit smaller, but still a really fun game. All right, so it looks like it's at UC Davis. Whoo, this is a really close game. <laughs> Holy crap. Okay, so the Versus Sports Simulator, if you guys aren't familiar with that, um, they actually do like all of these game predictions and stuff like that. So they have this as Sacramento State being a favorite by only 0.78 points. So not even a full point. They have basically Sacramento as a 24.9. So I'm going to round up to 25 to 24 game. That is insane. Um, so this should be a really close game. So if Sac State wins, they're going to get either a share of the conference title or the conference title outright and win the auto bid pending on the brawl of the wild. And at nine and two with their only losses being to a FBS team. And then Northern Iowa, who's given some of these other Missouri Valley teams, a good run for their money. You know, Northern Iowa is one of those teams. They can beat anyone and also lose to anyone. They beat Sacramento state, but at nine and two, and you're going to have two top 10 wins. Cause if Montana beats Montana state, that only strengthens Sacramento State's resume because they beat Montana. They didn't play Montana State. So if Montana beats Montana State and Sacramento State beats UC Davis, Sacramento State's getting a seed. If they lose to UC Davis, they're probably not a seed. And again, if UC Davis wins, I'm not, I'm not sure where their committee is going to put them. If they're going to be an eight seed or just outside looking in. But no matter what, UC Davis is in the playoffs. At least that's what it looks like. So that's the Causeway Classic. It's a big rivalry game separated by 18 miles or 20 miles, something around there. Um, it's going to be a pretty fun game. Hopefully, maybe there's more fog. Who knows? But that's that's such a massive game, and it could determine who's a big Sky Champ or not. So I think if you guys are Eastern Washington fans, we're all rooting for UC Davis in this. Um, I mean, that's kind of who we're rooting for. We're rooting for UC Davis to make a big run. Um, and beat Sacramento State because that only strengthens our chances to also get a higher seat as well. But now we're going to talk a little bit about the, the Brawl of the Wild, right? The game of the games. College game day should have been there this week. Unfortunate. They're going to Ohio State for like the 20th time in history. But this is a game with massive playoff implications, specifically seeding. If Montana State can beat Montana, they're 10-0 and 0 versus the FCS with a last-minute loss to Wyoming. They would be 2-0 versus the top 10. Not many teams, not, not any team that's undefeated has that resume. I think they would be locked for a two-seed. And it would be so... It would be such a, such a mistake if the committee gave James Madison or North Dakota State a seed over Montana State. Now, if you're asking me who I'd bet on in that game if they played each other, I think I'd actually take North Dakota State and Montana State over Montana or James Madison, and North Dakota State over Montana State. I think um, I'd favor James Madison by seven to 10, but I think NDSU versus Montana State this year would be pretty close. The difference is they both have two elite defenses, 
Um, I think Montana State and North Dakota State would be in a very low-scoring battle. I think it would look very similar to what this game of the Brawl of the Wilds is going to look like. But overall, James Madison, I think, has a better offense than both of them. So I, I think style matchups, James Madison has a defense to slow down Montana State and maybe put up seven more points. But but yeah, this is huge. Montana State wants home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And if they beat their arch nemesis, this Montana team, who's starting to get healthy at the right time, it is almost a lock or it'd be a horrible disservice with the FCS committee if Montana State did not get that two seed. If they lose, this is where it gets completely confusing. Because if they lose and they're now nine and two, and Montana's nine and two, and Eastern's nine and two, and let's say Sacramento State, let's say they lose to UC Davis is nine and two. Actually, no, let's say Sacramento State wins. So because they would be nine and two in that scenario. Wow, my math was horrible even looking at the screen. If you have four teams that's nine and two from the big sky, every other nine and two team in big sky history has pretty much been a seed. But what do you do with the seedings? If Montana can upstate Montana State, or if Montana can upset Montana State, which I think they have a style that can really cause a lot of issues for Montana State because Montana State's offense is not that great. Um, and Montana's defense is quite a bit better than Eastern Washington's, right? And even we gave their offense some some trouble, especially in the red zone. But Montana has a defense that can stop the run, get in McKay's face, or their you know new freshman quarterback or sophomore, whoever took the reins in this last Idaho game, where Montana State almost fumbled that and, and lost that game. But Montana can create this to be a very low-scoring game. They can also turn over Montana State. Montana has a very realistic chance to beat Montana State this week. I'm going to pick Montana State as long as Afonso is healthy. But again, let's say they do. And now we have four 9-2 teams in the big sky. What do you do with them as a playoff committee? Realistically, you're looking at Montana State with only one FCS loss. So they would be 9-1 and one versus the FCS in a top 10 win, a top 10 loss. Ooh, then you have Sacramento State nine and two versus the FC or nine and one versus the FCS. Now you would have two a top 10 win and a top 15 win. Um Eastern Washington, they would be eight and one or eight and two versus the FCS because of that D2 win, but they got that FBS, so that kind of helps a little bit. Um, so they would still be about eight and eight and two, nine and two versus in the committee's eyes. But they would be 2-0, and or let's see, they would be 0-1 versus Montana State, but then they would have two other top 10 wins at the time. So they'd be 2-1 and versus the top 10. Stronger strength of schedule than everyone else in the big sky right now. And then Montana, 9-2. and They would be 1-2 and versus the top 10. I think if all of that played out how it... Sacramento State gets the auto bid. I don't know if they become the one seed out of big sky teams. Like I think the big sky would kind of control seeds five. Might get all five through eight, just to be honest, but maybe they would put ETSU in there over someone, which I don't know who they would bump. I don't know if it's because there'd be so many different variables. Maybe Sacramento State would end up getting the five. 
maybe Eastern Washington. Maybe it would go Sacramento State, Montana State, Eastern Washington, Montana. I don't know. I actually don't know. This could be all jumbled up. Let's kind of hope for a little bit of chaos. Um, no, actually, I think as an Eastern Washington fan, these are the games you want to root for. You want to root for UC Davis. You want to root for Montana State. If those two things happen, it's a lock for a seed, in my opinion, as long as you beat Portland State. If they don't happen, well, who knows? <laughs> uh, who knows what can happen? I, I'm not really sure. So that's kind of my around the big sky, a little bit of playoff scenarios. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the Walter Payton Award. Right now it's a two-man race with a couple of running backs closing the gap as well. But it's really been between Eric Berry and Cole Kelly. Passing stats, both 35 touchdowns. They're separated by 75 yards. Um, really phenomenal year by both of them. Now the rushing aspect, Cole Kelly from southeastern Louisiana. He's definitely um, he's definitely making the gap a little bit further apart, right? The, his stats for the rushing is definitely better than Eric Berrier's. The passing, extremely close. Rushing, not so much. I think he has like 10 to 14 touchdowns on the ground, or I think maybe 10, quite a bit more yards. The big difference with this is Eastern Washington is the only team in the FCS, at least ranked teams, but I think it's maybe even only, that has played four top 25 passing defenses. Cole Kelly's played zero. Okay. Also, Eastern Washington played four top 25 scoring defenses. So that's that's defenses holding teams to a low amount of points. Cole Kelly's played zero. So that's where it's going to be kind of interesting to see. Does Eric Berrier get the little bit of a benefit of the doubt because he's played quite a bit stronger defenses than Cole Kelly, even though Cole Kelly's stats are going to be a little bit better? Or do they go, this is a stats award. We're going to give it to Cole Kelly. I have no clue. I think each person's very deserving of this, and I wouldn't be pissed if it goes either way. But that's kind of what I'm thinking the game could potentially be, or the, the award could potentially be. It may either fall down to the committee's going to, or the media, because the media votes on this. It's the stats poll, right? The stats may look at it and go, Eric Berrier has definitely played stronger defenses. Or they may just go, look at Cole Kelly has better stats. But I think it's two-man race. It can go either way, and either one of them deserve it. So that's kind of my Walter Payton Award rant, my playoff scenario rant. Now we're going to preview that damn cup. Okay. So if you guys aren't familiar with this rivalry, if you will call it a rivalry, it's, I guess... One of the big skies rivalries, you know, it's it's got a name, it's got a trophy, it's got probably the coolest name, you know, the damn cup. Um, it's separated by, you know, Washington and Oregon are separated by pretty much the Columbia River. So there's a few dams up and along there that I don't know which dam this is referring to, but you know, it's a dam on the Columbia, my guess. But yeah. It refers to the Columbia River watershed. So yeah, I don't know exactly which dam, but it's one of the dams on there. Columbia River is a pretty massive river. So this game has been played 53 times. Nope, I lied. 32 times. It's been played 53 years ago since 1968. It's a very close matchup, right? We lead, what is it? Let me push this a little bit closer so I can read it. We lead 21-20-1, okay? 
Now we're going to kind of go through these victories um, because a lot of it early when we started playing, Portland State was beating us, right? Um, they joined the conference quite a bit later than us, but they, yeah, they, they played us quite a bit. Um, so I guess I lied again on the 32 times. I need to read before I speak. We played, you know, 42 times, something like that, 42 times. So when you look at the beginning of the rivalry back in 1968, when it started, Portland State was kind of handling business. They were better than us. You know, they won 56-18, 51-0, 54-21. Pretty brutal. Eastern Washington went on their run. Portland State went on their run. Eastern Washington, Portland State kind of went back and forth, back and forth. And now we're looking at really the last decade, and it has been pretty dominant for the most part. Since 2009 or even 10, I mean, it's been 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 9 to 2 against Portland State. Um, there's been some really close competitive games, you know, like in Cheney. They're one of the few teams that has beat us on the red, um, and they've beaten us twice, right? They're definitely one of the few teams that's beaten us multiple times. I think it's MSU Weber in Portland State. I think those might be the only teams that have beaten us more than once on the red. But, yeah, we've kind of handled business for the most part. We, we lost close game in 2015. That was after Vernon Adams. Well, yeah, after he left and went to Oregon and kind of suffered at the last four little bit of games right there. But since then, 35-28-59-33-74-23-53-46. The last few years, we have really put it on offensively against Portland State. So we'll kind of see what we're able to do this next week. Um, when you look at Portland State's season, they've had a very weird season so far. Um, we're going to bring up their full schedule and then we'll go back because I'm, you know, using some of this YouTube stuff. Okay. So they did not help themselves out with their out of conference schedule. They played two FBS teams, which guess what guys Eastern Washington does next year too. Um, so they played Hawaii, which they were a close loss. Washington state, not a bad loss. Then they played Western Oregon, which is a really bad D2 team. And they struggled. Um, they were pretty competitive for most of the game against Montana state until really the fourth quarter, Montana state really put them away. Then they beat Southern Utah in a, a close game, um, which you're not supposed to get close with Southern Utah. They lost to Idaho in a close game. You're not supposed to lose to Idaho. Um, Idaho state, Cal Poly, Weber state. The trend was there. They were starting to beat up these teams and they're starting to focus. And then all of a sudden they played Sac state and lost 49, 20. So it's been a weird, interesting schedule. Um, if Weber State won out, people were saying, oh, they have a chance for that FBS or FCS playoff berth. But due to their strength of schedule and the out-of-conference, not strength of schedule, just their lack of scheduling, that's basically zero wins. So really, you need six to seven wins in the big sky. They just could not do it. Um, they have four right now in the big sky. If they beat Eastern Washington, that's still five. They just are not going to be a playoff caliber team. But Portland State, let's talk a little bit about some of their players, some of their matchups. So Alexander Davis, or Davis Alexander. Yeah, I said his name backwards, but Davis Alexander. He's been around for a long time. Um, me and him have a little bit of history. It was a few years ago I, I did a whole Big Sky quarterback ranking and where I ranked players, and I put Davis Alexander as like number... 11 or 12 out of 13. 
And he replied, and he's actually pretty cordial, but like other people were sending it to him going, look at this schmuck. He, he knows nothing. He says you're trash. And then Davis Alexander, it was kind of cool. His reply was just, I guess I got to prove it. Which overall, he's done a pretty good job throughout his career, right? He's a he's a true dual threat um, quarterback. He can run. He can play. Um, when Montana State vegan or Coach Vegan was talking about, have you ever played a quarterback similar to Eric Berrier? He's like, yeah, Davis Alexander is probably the closest thing we have seen to him this season, which I think that's actually a true statement. It's the closest thing. It's not the same thing. If Eric Berrier is Eric Berrier the third, Davis Alexander is Davis Alexander the one third. That's kind of my joke on Twitter. It was a bad joke, bad dad joke, so I apologize for that. But listen, he's had a good season. He can run the ball. He's a real dual threat. He's hard to contain. Um, his passing stats, of course, when I read them, they're not going to be comparable to Eric Berrier's, right? But he's more than just that. And they don't have the talent that maybe Eastern Washington does across the board. But he's gone 232 yards, 380, or 232 passing um, completions out of 381 attempts. So his accuracy is not horrible. 2,700 yards through the air, 19 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Their running backs, 160. So this is Walker, 827 yards, 10 touchdowns. Pretty solid. Their wide receiver, Kelly, he's actually been an animal on the field. He's kind of Weber or Portland State's only true threat in the wide receiving room. Um, but Kelly, 62 receptions, 855 yards, nine touchdowns. This offense from Weber can cause a lot of issues. If, if we don't prep for them right, Weber State or Portland State, I keep saying Weber State, but Portland State can score on us. Um, they, they really can. Now, the good difference on when we're looking at maybe where does this team stand up? I don't want to do full standings. Let me stop sharing my screen and I'll try and find it because, or I'll just talk about it. Let me find it on here because here's where we're going to have some kind of positives. Um, give me one second. I'm pulling up the stats. Okay. So passing, passing yards allowed, right? So we or Portland state. Let's see here, man. I just keep saying Weber state. I got Weber on my mind. So Portland is not in the top 50. Where are they ranked? Not in the top. They're number 87 in passing yards allowed. <clears throat> Their opponent's pass per play is 13.4 yards. They've allowed 17 touchdowns, so they have a pretty mediocre passing defense. They also have scoring defense. Let's see here. I think they're one of the worst in the big sky in a scoring defense. Because I think we match up pretty well with Portland State. Portland State is right around Eastern Washington in their scoring defense. Um, they're giving up about 28 points a game. Eastern Washington's about 26. And now they're scoring offense. This is where we are going to be the big difference maker. So defensively, we are better than them in pretty much every category. The big difference is the offense. So we're scoring 47 points per game. Portland State is, I don't even think they're the top five in the big sky. I think they're behind like 
Weber. So they're number 50 in the nation at 27. So they are giving up more points to opposing teams than they're scoring, right? It's very close. That's probably why their record's five and five because they're giving up 28 points per game to the opposing offense. They're scoring 27 points per game. It's a very close game. And when you look at Eric or Eastern Washington side of the ball, Eric Berry, you know, he has about 4,000 yards passing in the regular season so far, 35 touchdowns, six interceptions, a few more on the run or on the ground. Dennis Merritt, 153 carries, 749 yards, four touchdowns. I think he also has three receiving touchdowns. And then our wide receiver room. I think we have four of the top 15-ish in the whole big sky in terms of yards. I think we have three to four in the top 12 in terms of touchdowns. I I didn't look that up. Overall, I think we match up extremely well with Portland State. This is a game where Portland State, they have played us kind of stingy on a few years. Um, but I think we, I think this is one of those games where we're, we're putting 40 to 50 points on the board. It, it's pretty weird when you're calling a 50 point game, but I think that's the expectation for this Eastern Washington versus Portland state. So yeah, I think we're going to win. I think we're going to get the damn cup, which this is the last year of the protected rivalry for Eastern Washington and Portland state. We upgraded our new protected rivalry instead of Portland state goes to Montana state. So we have Idaho and Montana state where Portland state, who do they have? I think theirs is Idaho state and Montana now, something like that. So yeah, they got Montana, but I think, I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on. That's a really weird protected rivalry for Montana. They get Portland state now, which I know for a fact outside of the, the coaching love, no one in Montana cares about Portland state crap. No one in Eastern Washington really cares about Portland state. And they were one of our rivals, right? They were one of the closest schools to us. One of our rivals, a Washington and Oregon rivalry, if you will, just like you dub Oregon. Um, but even Eastern Washington fans, they don't get up for Portland state games. So yeah, this game is going to be in Hillsboro. This is, uh, probably going to be a rainy game, wet game. So maybe that's where our offense slows down a little bit, but I like our defense better than their defense. I like our defense better than their offense. And I like our offense better than their defense. I don't think this is going to be a very competitive game. Maybe it will through the first half, but if Eastern Washington wants a seed, which they do, they need to just run through this Portland state team. And I think we do. So my score prediction, let's see here. Of course, we're going to go with an Eastern Washington win. Um, just by how much is kind of the kicker. I'm going to say Eastern Washington. Because it's raining, maybe we don't hit 50. Eastern Washington, 45. Portland State, 21. Um, yeah, 45-21, a very comfortable win. Maybe there's half of the game where it's a little bit more competitive than what you think. But um, as long as we clean up a little bit and stop making the mistakes on special teams, I just don't see how Portland state can beat us. They're a decent running game. They're a decent passing team. They're not that great defensive team. I don't know much about their special teams, um, but if we can stop them from scoring, I'm not too worried about their special teams, but they're a middle of the road, big sky team. They're not top five in the, in the conference. They're middle of the road. They can give some teams problems. They can also, be very competitive with the worst teams. <laughs> I'll just say that. Where Eastern Washington, they're going to be 
really competitive versus the top tier. Maybe a few of the middle tier teams can give them a run for their money. But the Eastern Washington won't ever be competitive, at least this type of team we have versus the bottom tier. So, yeah, Eastern Washington wins comfortably. Um, I think we're clicking on things offensively now. We got some things cleaned up. So, yeah, Eastern Washington, we win comfortably. We finish 9-2 and two on the season. We get a seed probably 6 through 8 is what I'm guessing, depending on these other rivalry games. But it should be a fun overall game, um, overall season. Watch the Brawl of the Wild. Watch the Clawsway. Watch the Eastern Washington game. Then you'll kind of want to watch some other games around the FCS. They have some pretty good playoff potential aspects. Kennesaw State versus Monmouth. If you're a big Sky fan, um, and especially a seed, you're going to want to root for Monmouth. Because the as a big Sky fan, there's already probably five teams that are a lock for the playoffs at eight wins. If Monmouth wins, Kennesaw State is not in the running for a seed, right? If they win, they're still, if Kennesaw wins, they still may not get a seed because of their strength. The schedule is really bad, but they'd be undefeated versus the FCS. So maybe they do jump one of the teams. I'm not positive. The other game, um, is it VMI who's playing ETSU? Let me look real quick. Cause this is a game out of the SOCON that has potential playoff aspects, right? Because it's going to decide who's the SOCON champ. Come on. Where is it? So Mercer, Mercer seven and two ETSU is nine and one. Now ETSU, they beat Vanderbilt by 20. That's an sec team. And then they have a loss to a, a pretty decent SOCON FCS team, right? If ETSU wins and they're 10 and one, they could potentially get a seed over one of the other big sky teams that are nine and two. Maybe, maybe not. We're going to find out. Um, so you're rooting for probably Mercer on that one, but if Mercer wins, yeah, you're rooting for Mercer on that one. Um, Cause again, I see like five big sky teams as almost a lock. Um, maybe UC Davis, if they lose to Sac state and they lost to Eastern and they don't really have a good win, maybe they're on the outside looking in and maybe big sky only gets four, but overall, as long as some of the big sky teams take care of business, it seems like four to five is a lock. Um, five is as close as a lock as you can get compared to every other conference. But yeah, maybe there's a chance that if some of these other upsets happen, that some of them would win the auto bid and the other team still qualifies for the postseason. So maybe they would get a bit over Davis. But with that Tulsa win, nine and two, or um, eight and three even, it's it's going to be hard to keep UC Davis out. Um, yeah. That's just my two cents. It should be a fun one. The, we are doing a live, not Eagles Power, but FCS Fans Nation is doing a live selection Sunday episode. I think it's at 12 Central Standard Time. So it's going to be pretty early for you guys on the West Coast, a 10 a.m. segment. But instead of watching Selection Sunday on ESPN or wherever they're showcasing it, I actually don't even know. You can watch on YouTube. You're going to have myself. Matthew Frazee, Jamie Williams, Chris Hammond doing a live reaction like we did last year where why listen to four guys who care about the FCS during one show all year while you can watch all four of us. We're going to be live streaming, which means you can watch the selection show from YouTube, from our channel, from our actual episode, and then we're just going to be talking about it. If we agree with some of them, if we disagree, um, it's always going to be a pretty fun episode. We're going to have some mimosas or some beers. So it, it's going to be a good time. 
but yeah, catch out for that. Follow us on FCS Fans Nation on YouTube. Follow all the Big Sky Podcast Networks. And go Eags. Boom. <laughs>